0: You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition.
1: I cried out to the Lord and He heard me and delivered me also, brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of a miry clay, and He set my feet upon a rock, and He established my goings, and He put a new song in my mouth. Many will see it and hear it and shall trust in the Lord. He brings you up out of a pit that you can't bring yourself up out of. And some of you are in a pit like that today. And, and I got good news for you today. There's a deliverer in the house.
0: Have you ever felt stuck? Have you ever felt bound to your mistakes? In today's message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that you don't need to feel stuck in your past. No matter what you've done or who you've been, God only seeks to wash you clean of your mistakes. Stop trying to fix it all on your own because you'll only experience frustration and disappointment. Seek after the heart of the Lord and experience transformation like never before. God is calling you to His kingdom. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Exodus, chapter 14, as he begins his message, The God Who Delivers.
1: As you read through the Bible, you cannot escape constant stories of people being delivered. He's He's just the God who, who delivers. We see it in the Old and New Testaments over and over again. Repeatedly, God intervenes in seemingly hopeless situations. When it looks like the end has come and the curtain is coming down. And then suddenly God delivers. With one of the famous stories, most famous, Moses standing at the sea. They've been delivered from Egypt, but right before they are able to cross the sea, here comes Pharaoh up behind them. Moses has a million people around him. In front of him is the impassable, impossible sea. Behind him is Pharaoh's chariots gaining steam, coming up fast. No way out except God. And God sends a strong east wind. It strikes that water, divides it in half, and the people cross over and they are delivered. We see Daniel Daniel refuses to obey the king's edict and he is thrown into a den of lions. They're hungry and they can't wait for the next meal. And here comes Daniel, an old man. It looks like the end once again. Curtains, this is the way this great prophet is gonna die. But it says God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth and Daniel lived. All the way through the night to the next morning, he got delivered and those who had turned him over were thrown into the lion's den and there was no angel there for them. God delivered his man. And you go jump in the New Testament, you come across Simon Peter arrested. He is told tomorrow, we're gonna take your head off. We took James' life. He was martyred, you're next. And the Bible says that night while he slept on the prison floor, an angel of the Lord came into the room. The room lit up. The angel struck him as in with a sword to wake him up. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. And the angel opened the prison door and he went out and he was delivered. When it looked like there was no answer, God delivered. And I want you to know, folks, that we serve a God of deliverance. He's not a helpless God. He's not a God off throwing other stars into space. He is a God totally focused on his people. And God still delivers. Can you say with me, God is a God who delivers. I want you to know that today. Whatever you're experiencing, whatever you're facing, you have faith in a God who delivers. Now, what is deliverance? When we say the word deliverance? Well, Webster's defines it this way. Rescue from captivity, from hardship, or from domination by evil. I like that. A deliverance is a rescue. A deliverance happens when there's no way out unless you are actually plucked out of the problem, plucked out of the danger by somebody who has the power to do it because you are powerless. That's deliverance. But the Greek word carries a component that's even more meaningful. The Greek word actually means to draw or to rescue a person to and for the one that delivers them. So when God delivers you and me, he doesn't just deliver us to go off and do our own thing as soon as we're delivered. But God reaches in to our horrible pit. He reaches down into the miry clay in which we're sinking. And he pulls us out in a mighty deliverance that we may be his and for him and serve him. He delivers us for himself. So let me tell you something. You're no longer your own. Let me tell you, dear Christian friend, when Jesus saved you, you were bought with a price and you are no longer your own. Now you are the Lord's. Take his yoke upon you and learn of him for he is meek and lowly of heart and you will find rest for your soul when you live for him.'" We have been called as Christians no longer to live for ourselves, but thank God one day, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, it saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And why did he do it? He did it so that we would be for him, for him, serving him. Even in the Lord's Prayer, when the Lord's Prayer ends and Jesus said, here's the way I want you to pray. Pray this way, lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Of course, the Greek there is the evil one. Here's what it really means. Deliver me to yourself and deliver me for yourself. So we are his and he is ours and his banner over us is love. And we have been called to live for him and serve him. And if that blesses you like it blesses me, give the Lord a hand of praise because that's good news. Amen. Our God is a God of deliverance. David, you can't read the Psalms without encountering David bragging on the God of deliverance. Psalms 18, 2, David says, the Lord is my rock and he's my fortress and he is my deliverer. Not just a deliverer, but he makes it personal. He's my deliverer. And can I tell you today, he's your deliverer. In Psalms 40, verse 17, he says, but I am poor and needy, but the Lord thinks upon me. You, Lord, are my help and my deliverer. Psalms 34, verse four is one of my favorites. I memorized this one long ago. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fear. See, you can't seek the Lord without the Lord reaching down and delivering you. The closer you get to Jesus, The closer you get to your deliverance. So he said, I sought the Lord, and here's what he did for me. I sought the Lord, and he heard me. And when he heard me, look what he did. He took away from me all my fears. He delivered me from a spirit of fear because God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. Psalms 34, verse 6 This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. When the prophet Isaiah prophesied about the coming Savior, he was given a vision of what the Savior's ministry would look like. And Isaiah, this mighty prophet wrote it down. And it's actually Jesus speaking through him in the first person prophetic. Listen to what Jesus says through Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to do what? To preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. So look at this. The ministry of Jesus was a ministry of deliverance. Has it ever occurred to you, this really hit me recently, that in the Old Testament, you never see demons coming out of anybody. In the Old Testament, you never see deliverance ministry. But Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. There he fights the devil in the final ultimate showdown in the desert. And it says he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness, but he came out in the power of the Spirit. And immediately, demons begin to manifest in people and speak through people. And and they were bound by Jesus, cast out by Jesus. They were terrified of Jesus. They begged Jesus not to torment them. And so with the arrival of Jesus, we see the arrival of a deliverance ministry, a ministry of deliverance from the power of evil. Folks, can I tell you that we are on the win-win side? I've read the back of the book, and I'm going to tell you what it says Satan doesn't win, men don't win, but Jesus Christ comes again on the stage of history and he wins. But my point is this, when Jesus showed up, suddenly the devil had to come out from behind the bushes. The devil had to manifest himself. The devil was exposed and revealed and defeated by this mighty one who was anointed to deliver, to rescue We serve a mighty Christ. He's not a weak Christ. He's not a Christ that we need to be ashamed of. But let me tell you something, our world needs a delivering Christ. They don't need a wimpy, religious, milquetoast Christ preached by a defeated church. They need a living, mighty, devil-stomping Savior who can deliver. And our Lord has a ministry of deliverance. He delivers us from ourselves. Start right there. You know, you're your greatest problem. And, and so am I. How many times have I said, Lord, please help me to be delivered from me. And you know what God wants to do with you and me? Just crucify us. That's good. Just crucify us. And then we're, we're in better shape when we're crucified. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives within me. You do best when you're crucified. You're the one who gets you in all the trouble you're in anyway. If it wasn't for you, the devil would have nothing to work with. Isn't that the truth, come on. Now, he delivers us, our deliverer delivers us from habits, from addictions that nothing can break but the anointing that breaks the yoke. The delivering power of Christ, addictions, fear. He delivers from fear, he delivers from lust. He delivers from hate, he delivers from pride. He delivers from anything and everything that holds us bound that Satan uses to chain us up and bind us and muzzle us and defeat us. God delivers us from. I cried out to the Lord and he heard me and delivered me also, brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock and he established my goings. And he put a new song in my mouth. Many will see it and hear it and shall trust in the Lord. He brings you up out of a pit that you can't bring yourself up out of. And some of you are in a pit like that today. And, and I got good news for you today. There's a deliverer in the house. There's a deliverer in the house. If I didn't believe that, I would quit preaching today and go home and watch reruns of I Love Lucy till I died. But it is true. And Christ is now risen. And he is a mighty deliverer. And he breaks the devil's back. And he shattered his teeth on Calvary. And thank God we serve a victorious savior who now himself holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He took them away from the devil. Now, in our text, Paul testifies to having been delivered from a horrific trial. He tells the truth about it. How bad was it? Well, he's good with words. Holy Spirit was good with words. Here's what he said We're hard. We were, this trial was so ferocious that we were pressed out of measure. This means that they were borne down, that they were weighed down by a great calamity we don't know what it was we can surmise as to what it was from the book of Acts but we don't know for sure could have been many things but suffice it to say it it pressed them out of measure it's like a container that you keep filling it until it bursts because it can't handle anymore he's saying I, I couldn't handle anymore he says above strength we ran out of strength we got to the place where we couldn't bear anymore our strength was worn down. And our strength was used up. We couldn't take another step. We were exhausted and expired. People say, well, God won't give you more than you can handle. Yes, he will. Well, Pastor Jeff, that's not scriptural because I've read the scriptures. You're reading it wrong. God often allows things that are more than we can handle. So we will learn to lean on the one who can handle what we cannot handle. So our natural strength runs out and that's when his kicks in and that's what we're about to see. But he most certainly will allow you to go through a trial that presses you out of measure and above your strength. And I'd be a liar if I told you otherwise because I've gone through such. He said it got so bad, we despaired even of life. We had the sentence of death, he says. The sentence of death. The word sentence there is synonymous with verdict. We had a verdict. It it, it means that Paul felt as if he was in a courtroom and the judge had said, you're going to be executed, a sentence of death. He he said, this trial felt like it was our homegoing. It felt like this was the end. We thought it was curtains. We thought we were going home. We thought this was the final hurrah. In his mind's eye, death was imminent. Now notice, weighed down, without strength, can't take another step, feeling like we were dying, feeling like it was over. This describes the severity of the trial and we think that we're having a trial in rush hour traffic. But you know what? There are people among us right now who are in a trial like this. Press down, weighed down, don't feel like you can take another step. You feel tired, you feel weary, you, you, you feel like this is it and, 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 and there may be a few here who, who feel like you're looking death in the face. And, and Paul has a word for you today. The Bible has a word for you today. Now, Paul is the one who, by the Spirit of God, wrote Romans 8.28. We all know Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God. God says Paul takes every trial, even these severe ones like this, and and, and God puts his hands around that trial and forces that trial, shapes that trial to work for our good because you're called of him. God never wastes a pain. He takes every trial, every test, every fiery oven, every deep valley, and he says, you will serve my purpose in their life. And the trial must submit. And Satan must submit to it. Now, the one that wrote that verse is in this severe trial now. Now, how did it work out for his good? How did God say, all right, I'm going to shape this where it works for Paul's good. I'm going to make it serve my purpose in his life. Well, it's easy to see. It's right here. Here's the first thing that happened. God did deliver Paul. But here's how he delivered him. He delivered him first with a realization. He had an epiphany. He had had an idea. Something occurred to him in a fresh and a powerful way. Here's what it was. He said, I learned that we should not trust in ourselves. I learned that we should not trust in ourselves. Now, let me clarify this and balance it out. That doesn't mean that you're supposed to be walking around insecure with a bad case of tuckhead. You know what tuckhead is? These people that can't look you in the eye because they feel so terrible about themselves. That's not it. That's that's of the devil. That's not of God. That's not what he's saying. You're not to walk around insecure. He's not saying you're you're not supposed to have confidence. I'm confident in in certain things as long as I know God's with me. It means that there are some things only God can do. Now catch that. Paul said, I have learned in this trial that there's some things I cannot do and one of them is I cannot deliver myself from something like this. This is going to have to be a God thing or I'm not coming out. This is going to have to be a God thing or I'm not going to recover. This is going to have to be a God thing or I'm going to die. This is going to have to be a God thing or this is it. Paul came to the place of realizing it's not going to be, and believe me, Paul the apostle was incredibly confident, brilliant, educated, respected among his peers, beyond his peers. He, 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 He succeeded beyond those who were his own age, who had gone through the same schools. He was brilliant beyond his peers, all kinds of ability. But he said, here's what I've learned in this trial. If I come out of this, it's not gonna be by my brains, not by my natural strength, not my talents, not my wit. Nothing of me or by me can be used in this situation to deliver me. I'm learning in the middle of this trial not to lean on me, but to lean on him. This great man's formidable self-sufficiency melted away like candle wax in a hot sun in the presence of this great trial. His self-confidence just withered. He was broken. He was put down. He was on his knees, on his face. Now, let me share with you a Christian truth. It is the work of the Holy Spirit from the moment you and I are saved to help you and me transition from self-sufficiency to God's sufficiency Now, I'm gonna say that again because we, we don't really understand this, a lot of us in the church, because America, the American culture says, it's all about you. And you're your own man, your own woman, self-made man, self-made woman, which is pure, unadulterated hogwash. Nobody is their own person. You're either serving Satan or you're serving Christ. Says scripture, not Jeff. So let me say it again. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. He comes into our lives as soon as we're saved. And and he begins to do many things. He deals with the idols in our life. He gets sin out of our life. He begins to develop the fruit of the spirit in our life. And one of the things he begins to do with our faith is he transitions us from self-sufficiency to God-sufficiency, where more and more we lean on him and less and less we lean on us. Now, before coming to Jesus Christ, we all learn to trust in ourselves. I left my home uh, at a pretty young age, and I learned to be very self-sufficient. And, how, and kind of street smart, how to get things that I needed and, and whatnot. And boy, did God pulverize that after I got saved. But I can tell you, we, we trust in many things. We trust in, in looks, in talent, in wit, in intelligence. We trust our own business ability. We place our trust in money or charm or popularity or a way with words. We lean on our natural strengths. We we believe that we can get us out of anything that we got ourselves into. And then we come into a trial where there is no way out and we cannot fix it. And then we've got to do what Paul did. He said, I've learned to no longer trust in myself because the Holy Spirit comes along. He begins to knock out from under us all the fleshly props we have leaned on and trusted in our whole life. He said I want you to instead of leaning on yourself I want you to lean on me. God wants our trust to shift from ourselves to him. Paul realized in a fresh way what Proverbs 21:31 says. Listen to this. This is a great proverb. It says the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. Can you say it with me deliverance? Is of the Lord. In other words, you may have all kinds of natural advantages and natural ability symbolized in a strong war horse, but in the battle, the things we really need to be free from. We can't do it, not me, not myself, not I. The only thing that can set me free is the one who was anointed to preach deliverance to the captives. He breaks the yoke. He breaks the power of sin. He chases Satan out of our life. He raises us out of the ash heap into his destiny for us. It is only him and by him and through him. This realization about I'm not leaning on me, but I'm leaning on him, it's all through Paul's writings. Listen to this. My, Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your ability. Did he say that? He said in your weakness, when you are just like Paul described, beat down, can't take another step, weak, trembling, shaky. He says, that's when my strength, my power, My wisdom, my word comes to you. And I bring you up and I bring you out of the horrible pit and I bring you out of the miry clay and I set your feet on a rock and I make your going stable and I give you a new song. Mm, I'll tell you, this moves me today. I feel like I'm about to jump up and grab that ceiling, but I can't, but I wish I could.
0: When's the last time you felt rescued? We all go through difficult seasons of feeling completely out of control of our situations. But where do you turn when the going gets tough? In today's message, we learned from Pastor Jeff that the only place to turn is the feet of Jesus. No matter how dire your circumstances may seem, He is always by your side, just waiting to deliver you from your burdens. Let God's perfect grace wash over you and be saved. Being part of a local community of believers is vital for spiritual growth. If you're not already connected somewhere, we want to invite you to be part of our church family. Pastor Jeff and the rest of us here at Turning Point Church would love to meet you. We're in Fort Worth, Texas. So check us out. Go to hardwired.org and click on the tab TPC Family to find all the details. That's hardwired.org. Even when life is going well, we all feel the constant pressures of our daily lives. Whether we're getting lost in the motions or struggling to keep going, it's easy for life to be overwhelming. In his next message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that God has a divine plan for your life. It doesn't matter what difficulties you're going through or the mistakes you've made in the past. God is always working everything for your good. Never forget the power of His perfect love. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in for this edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. You can listen to more messages from this and other books of the Bible by visiting hardwired.org. Join us next time to continue our study in the series, The God Who, right here on Hardwired.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Jeff Wickwire, host of the Hardwired Broadcast, and I'm so excited to tell you about this month's offer for you, our listeners. For a gift of $40 or more, we want to send you the beautiful new Bible put out by Tyndale called Immerse, the Reading Bible. Our offer contains a beautiful, Reads like butter New Testament, featuring the New Living Translation. The Immerse Bible New Testament contains no chapters, no verses, just like the original manuscripts in which the Bible was written, so that it reads more like a story. It also comes with an eight-week reading plan, maps, and a helpful summary of every New Testament book. So if you want to try a really unique approach to your daily Bible reading, just go to hardwire.org and click Donate Now to give your gift of $40 or more. We'll send you the Immersed Bible immediately. And thanks once again for your support of Hardwired. Every dollar we receive will go toward reaching the world with God's word.